What a blessing. So we have several people to pray for. Our uh, significant chunk of our worship team left yesterday to go to Living Waters, which is a camp that Dwelling Place has history with uh, for several years. I, I don't know how far back, but my history is relatively new. But I actually leave this afternoon after church with a few folks to head to Living Waters as well. So I'll be there with them this week. Uh, don't worry, I'm not trying to lead worship. Uh, it's going to, at some point, stand up and talk, hopefully from the heart of God. Is it just like, uh, before we get started, I'll just, uh, hey, is this like um, some sort of, uh, maybe I had too much skinny cinnamon dolce, or is this mic actually fading in and out? Because it sounds like it's... I was like, man, I don't know what's going on inside this head, but I think I need some help because I'm like, wah, wah, wah. Okay, we can have, I'm not going to sing right now, but maybe later that'll be a real distraction if we don't figure out what's up with that. I think Tim Williamson just back there messing with me. He's like pulling it up and down. See how long it takes Ron to realize that his volume is not consistent. Uh, anyway, but several people at Living Waters this morning. In fact, they started last night with the counselors, with the worship set. Jacob, uh, the one that lives in my house and calls me dad. Caleb Knauts, uh Haley, um, let's see, Emily Rosales, BJ, Tara. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, did I say Haley? I thought I said Haley. Yes, I did say Haley, but thank you. We'll say Haley twice. Haley, actually Haley's on her way this morning. So pray for them as they travel and several others that will be going down this afternoon. In fact, there are several campers going down. Also, just people still out. Uh, we have two guys coming home from Zambia this Wednesday. Yeah, they're presently in Cape Town. Two more that are still in Zambia. So, And people consistently coming home uh, from the Balkans. Very, very happy about that. So, Lord, this morning, I'm going to stop talking so you can start talking more specifically to our hearts. So we can also, Lord, just um, yeah, lift up praise to you. You're just so worthy. So connect our hearts with one another and with you today. Lord, that everyone would feel welcome in your house as we stand into the family room at Dwelling Place Christian Fellowship together, God, as brothers and sisters, as children of God, just to love and be loved by you. And even, Lord, in as much as uh, you grace us to love certainly one another. Lots of grace for that. So be God in Jesus' name. Amen. What about a Matt? Maybe we could all uh, stand together. In honor of the Lord. Uh, this first song that we're going to do, some of you may have heard it and some of you may have not, but it's really easy to catch on to.
just begin to bless the Lord. Just say his name this morning. Say, thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of life this morning. Thank you, God, that we could be anywhere else in the world, but we're here this morning.
Just one pause from your heart. Just one pause from your heart. Sing that one more time. Just one pause from your heart. And
And my Savior has ransomed me like a flood. Mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are drawn, I've been sent free. God, my Savior, ransom me like a flower. His mercy reigns, and
Sorry, just in a bit, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But even just during this time of worship, it's been kind of a really, uh, and I know that this is always true, this is kind of redundant, but it's been a real personal opportunity, um, yeah, just to connect with God. And even as Jared was uh, just standing in the back, he said he could just really sense even that there was like a personal presence, and, and the whole key was that when you're in in that place with God, wherever you are. I mean, I don't think this matters if you're at work or if you're at home or if you're in the in the sanctuary, as it were. Time can kind of stand still for you. You know what I'm saying? And I know that sometimes in dwelling place, for instance, like I get kind of lost in what I'm doing and maybe some, I don't know. You know, I hope I'm never a distraction. That's never my heart. But I hope that what happens is we shut ourselves off and it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. I mean, that's really kind of the point so i just hope that this morning you're able to just be with god and that second corinthians the only verse that i wasn't going to read this morning is appropriate right now so i guess we'll start at the end and work our way back to the beginning but second corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 paul wrote this so we 
we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is huh? Huh? temporary. What is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Lasts forever. So when in these moments, Lord, we are able to focus on the eternal, knowing what Paul was saying here, time really does stand still. Uh, it's about being with you, and it's about what will last forever. And that even this momentary and light affliction, which may not necessarily in the moment seem very light, <laughs> is working in us an eternal weight of glory. So I pray, God, that, yeah, that that just, Lord, I, I sense this, that that's not just or even so much a word for this morning as it is for every morning. Lord, that you want to make time stand still for us. And God, I, I thank you that that's your heart and purpose for us. That though, Lord, the clock will keep tipping, ticking, as it were. Uh, yeah, the clock will keep ticking. Easy for you to say. Uh Somehow, Lord, in us, time will stand still. And whatever we're doing, how busy we are or aren't, um, we can have an eternal perspective and focus. And even more than that, just an eternal relationship, something that's deep and real and meaningful. God, press that into our hearts this morning. I know you're not done with us in worship, so God, I'll I'll go ahead, Lord, and and follow your spirit into this segue. But God, even as we come back in a bit uh, to a time of just singing together again, God, um, prep our hearts with your word this morning for what you want to do in us. And, yeah, draw us to a place of response. We don't want to have just done something. But, Lord, rather we want something to have been done in us. And and I pray this this morning, God, before again we segue to word. Give us some action steps, some applications. So we're not just, um, yeah, we're not just making statements of what we wish. But we're walking in a, in a hope of what is and what will be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ingrid. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Good morning. I'm sure Ron said this, but ha- welcome back, Amy French. Uh, last week, uh, Kim Bonner was here, and she's here today, I thought. But, uh, she was putting some of her wares out there, and, and she said to me, she said, would it be okay if I did that? And we talked about it, and she said, I may not be on the mission field, but but when you come off the mission field, you just, you're just you still on the mission field. And so um, I appreciate the, the Kims and the Bens and the Amys and the Daniels and the Bethanies and the, I'm forgetting someone, Jim Collip and... John, Luffy, that, that go away. And, uh, you know, there's just, I was with Brennan Robb, who came back from Iraq yesterday, just celebrating his life that he lived as a Marine and um, that, that he's come back after 18 months. And, you know, just um, honoring him and, a, and a, a grandma in the faith came in and she just really blessed him, you know, for, for going and doing. And, um, and for those of you that have gone, we bless you. Some of you are going. That's a continuous action because this is a highway and a byway. Um, and, and sometimes that, that field's right outside that door. And sometimes it's your neighbor. 
<laughs> and so, uh, you know, I said this morning in prayer that, that Amy's spirit with the Holy Spirit is a, is a model to me of, of just stepping out and being confident. And so I just want to encourage you, encourage you in that. Uh, I also just want to encourage you that we did start something new last week, and that is that we're trying to help with the expression of the arts. You see there's a table over there with, with some arts. Each, each week will be a different medium. We are looking for people to help kind of facilitate that. You might use the word moderate, but when we say that, people might feel put down. But we just we need some help to, to facilitate. And it's not for all of us that are experienced. I talk like I'm some great artist. It's for the gifts to be stirred up in us. And, and um, we've really been talking about this that this week. The prophetic conference is coming up, and um, we have posters. If you want to take one, this is a big one. We've got a little one. You'll get a JPEG this week. Um, but it's an opportunity to rekindle and re, re, renew and, and restore and refresh. And the, the neatest thing is we have a new person that you maybe haven't met before, Christine, Chris, as she's known. And she was kind of hitting around to Jared, and she's like, Jared, like, I, she was asking questions, and Jared knew she was she was trying to find the box that we wanted her to stand in. And Jared was able to say, "We want you to stand with God, and and we want to be very careful not not to box you in." And so um, I'm I'm just excited. I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited. Ron said there's a lot of kids going to youth camp today, uh, tonight. There's two different camps going on. The youth are selling um, baked goods after the service to try to help pay their pay their costs. If you're on a no friendly, I mean, no sweets uh, diet. Uh, you know, if you want to give, you, you can you can give directly to them. And oh, sorry. And um, I, I do want to say to you, last week we we sent around these clipboards for the yard sale. We're going to be sending them around again. We're we're one of the churches that supports Pregnancy Resource Center. The stuff's growing downstairs, but it's not your stuff because I've seen the people that brought it in, and you all need to get your stuffs, your overloaded houses, emptied. No treasures here on heaven, and I mean here on earth is stored up there for heaven. So just want to encourage you in that. And I'm also just going to take a, a stop to say, Najib, happy birthday. Today is Najib's birthday, and so uh, we pray abundant blessings pour down. We are so thankful that you are with us. We're, we're continuing to pray. He's in the visa process, and um, all of that's believable in faith it's really believable when Hala and the family is going to be sitting next to you amen and so you need to know that we're we're standing with you amen um yeah and also i was just thinking about church camp stuff and actually this came up in my, my mind yesterday but because we've been praying for andrea who where now she is in pennsylvania Okay, well, I had the right direction. I just went a little too far. And she's there for how long? Several weeks. Okay, yeah, so yeah, people lots of places. Please let, her, please let her know that we're praying for her because we, we feel like we're there serving too. You know, we're not doing any of the work. But anyway, she, she definitely represents the wrong place in that, and we appreciate her heart to serve. Also, um, just a quick update in as much as I know, and I, don't, I was kind of looking for Mark, but... Um, or Jared might could even help me with an update on Jim, but he came home, and I can tell you this, that yesterday Gene called me. So Jim Ebel, who had fallen off a roof and, and broken his back and has had surgery, uh, has regained some feeling from the waist down. He was able to wiggle his toes this week, which was incredibly exciting. And he did come home. 
Um, Jean called me yesterday and said, please pray. We're trying to take authority in three areas over, over shock, over trauma, and over pain. And so um, we're asking you guys, especially Terry, just to, all of us, obviously, but just to make a real focus of intercession and taking authority over those things in his body as he's come home. And it's traumatic. I remember after uh, my accident, after I was hit by a truck, I was so anxious to come home. Then when I got home, I was thinking, I'm not sure how... A good idea this was. It turns out that hospital bed was more comfortable than I thought. Um, but in the end, I was certainly glad to be there. And so we want to just pray that there's healing for him and that, and that there's the grace to be home uh, with just a different kind of equipment and that kind of thing. And um, so anyway, just continue to pray for Jim and Jean and the entire family. And they've just been incredible and amazing. And it's just great to have Chad and, Chad and Desiree back. Welcome. I love those shoes, man. Totally rocky. War. Stand up. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Get used to it. It's just, I don't know. It's part of the deal. How, how high can you hold your foot? Yeah. He wore those in his wedding, man. Chucks with yellow shoestrings. It was awesome. So congratulations to one of our newest couples. Yes, Ingrid gave you thumbs up. Yeah, the Chuck population in the church was very proud of you. He even got Mitch to wear them. I haven't seen them back on his feet, but I expect to. And on a Sunday soon... My friend. Anyway, I want to get right into this word this morning, and uh, we're blessed that you are here, by the way. It's just great to see you smile really well together. It's beautiful. Ah, thank you, Jesus, and welcome to visitors. I see some, I, I really hate that phrase. Let me say, if you, this is your first time to be with the family, because you're not really visitors, you're family, in a sense, because we are family, part of the family of God, hey, that's a true story, and so we might not have met yet, but we're family. And so we're, we're glad you're here, um, and I see a couple of different new couples and families in the church, so we hope that you feel welcome and that if we can do anything for you, you'll let us know. You can find out a lot about Dwelling Place at dpnrv.org. And if you missed last Sunday, this word is going to be a follow-up to that word, but you're not going to be left behind because it is going to be very near to the same. And no, this is not an attempt. I shared a story last week about a man who in the process of seeing a great move of God in a church that he pastored in El Salvador preached the same message um, 13 weeks in a row. And nothing really happened until the 13th week. I just want to go ahead and put you at ease. That's not my intention. Really, this is kind of coincidental. But God did say to me this week, and even as we were having some fun discussions in our lead staff meeting, we're not done with this. So this morning, in fact, for the last three weeks, we've been talking a bit about sharing our faith and what that can look like. It's been a little less pragmatic and practical at this point, though we will get to that, I assure you. But we've been talking about uh, the gospel, using kind of an old school Jesus word, but we've been talking about the gospel, which really is just a word that means uh, the truth. And in, in fact, the fullness of truth. You know, that sometimes they refer to churches who believe in the power and the work of the person, the Holy Spirit, as full gospel. And I don't think that we were ever meant to teach or tell an incomplete gospel. The reality is, is the story of redemption is an amazing story. It's not just an amazing story. It is the story. It's the story of our lives. And we've, we spend a good bit of time in the spring, late winter and even early spring, talking about redemption story. Well, as it turns out, I suppose we haven't really gone that far from that. But now we're talking about a lot of what that looks like to share that story and what it can mean. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the gospel and we talked about the power of the gospel that 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 word that truth has punch set the captives free right and even this morning as we were worshiping i was really challenged man as i was praying through some of the songs we were singing we were singing that song that where you go i'll go 
where you, what you say, I'll say. What you pray, I'll pray. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. We're never going to get very far from that. If we do, we will have missed it. Because what we really want to do is say, what's Papa doing? What's the Father doing? You know, sometimes that's a bit of a stretch for us, right? I mean, we will end up in places that we might not have otherwise picked. But we just know it's Papa. We know it's God. God said, go there. So you're like, okay, God. I trust you in this. Hope we get to that place, hey? A lot of times we'll say, the Father said, never mind. I'm just thinking. I probably wasn't hearing very well. Because that's not at that moment in us, right, where we are in, in our walk with God, maybe in that moment, that's not first prize for us. But if only we could see from his perspective, we would realize, you know, actually, he, Father really does know best. And we would follow. We talked about the power of the gospel. We talked about the person of the gospel. Because the gospel is, I mean, it's, it's so much more than a story. It's, it's his story, right? It's a story. Jesus is, as he himself said the truth. He doesn't just tell the truth, he is the truth. We talked about the power of the gospel, the person of the gospel, and ultimately the hope of the gospel, which we said is the church. The gospel is the hope of the world, which we are also included in that broad description. In other words, the gospel is our only hope. Hello, come on now. Somebody tried to live without that. I mean, you might have tried to live with church. Rick's got that shirt that says, uh, religion is against my relationship, right? I mean, you might have tried that. And, it, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about, I'm not religious. And, you know, by definition, we do a lot of things religiously. It's, that's really not so much the point. It's that the point is that, that whatever we do religiously be built on the relationship that we have with Jesus. I mean, the traditions in and of themselves, we're always going to have some of those. Whether our tradition is anti-tradition, we got tradition. There's always the new dignified somewhere. Like the new dignified to be if you don't jump and shout and twist about, then you're not really walking with God. That would be the same kind of religiosity as sitting on your hands. Mm -hmm. I just preach truth right in though. Now I like to jump and... Okay, I don't really do that very much. Because it gets to be... For me, I get out of breath, Misty. <laughs> and it becomes a distraction. So I got to more just stand still and point. But, you know, truth. Being true to that faithful to that, right? So then last week we talked about being, it was, you know, I mean, it was July the 3rd, so we talked about freedom and what that can look like. Because when we talk about the gospel and contending for the gospel, ultimately we're talking about freedom in people's lives, our lives, and then the lives of others, man, because the, the truth brings freedom. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you mad, uh, free. The truth will make you free. Might start with mad, but you'll get your grace around it, right? It'll make you free. So we're talking about freedom, and we were talking about being freedom fighters, that we, we fight for freedom, man. As God followers, we contend for the gospel. We want to live and tell the truth. Not just tell the truth, but live the truth in our own lives. Talking about that, Second Corinthians, I said we would read from that. Let's turn there now. Last week I gave you this as an assignment because I really thought it was the keynote passage for last week. We didn't make it there. We never got to 2 Corinthians 4. I was quite surprised by that, to be honest. We're going to get there today. 2 Corinthians 4. You know, I always want to get backstory when I read a passage because even if you read the entire chapter, there's, there's a preceding story because you'll see, especially whenever you see this word, just going to give a little instruction here, whenever you're reading your word and the first word in what you choose to read is therefore... Or, however, back up a minute, unless you already have that other passage memorized, because you're going to miss some, some really important information. 
So just backing up quickly to Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is talking about the, the new covenant ministry that they had been given, that had been gifted to them. He's essentially saying, look, even when Moses got the tablets of stone and the law was written on them, the glory of God was so significant that that he couldn't see his face. If there was that much glory in that covenant, that much power in that covenant, think about how much power, how much the glory of God exists in this new covenant, this, this thing that was sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, having such a hope, we use great boldness. Not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face, that the sons of Israel, don't worry, I'm just reading in chapter 3, but I'm going to catch up in a minute. But their minds were closed. They couldn't really see. Because they were living under the old covenant, essentially, is what he's saying. However, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil still exists over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to Jesus, when they put their trust in Jesus, Paul is saying the veil is removed. You can see clearly. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, we read this last week, there is, in fact, freedom. I'm still in Second Corinthians 3. I'm sorry, I probably should tell you the passage. That's verse 17. And he says, we all with unveiled faces, all of us are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is a spirit. So he's saying, that's our ministry. Our ministry is to have put our hope, our trust, our faith in Jesus and to ourselves be free and then be agents or um, fighters for, if you will, to just follow our metaphor, freedom. Just another little teaching point real quick. Sometimes we build our truth on the metaphor. Be careful about that. Jesus was not, as I've said often, metaphorically challenged. So don't get too hung up on one metaphor. He mixes his metaphors all the time. It's not the metaphor, it's the truth in the metaphor. So in this instance, write that down somewhere and just think about it later. But I know that sometimes you'll find a church or, you know, a guy, and he just always teaches one metaphor and because he, he, he likes the system. But essentially, even what Paul is saying is the system in and of itself is not what liberates, but it's the truth of that system. There is a system. There's a foundation. That's actually Hebrews 6.1. I'll come to that in a minute. Where Paul said, move on from elementary things. But, but anyway, here in verse... I probably should skip that. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. Let's get to the therefore. Okay? So that's the backstory. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, in other words, this ministry of transformation, this reflection of the glory of God, as we have received mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced same shameful secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message. But in God's sight, we commend ourselves to every person's conscience by open display of the truth. He said, look, we're not hiding anything. We're in this thing for real. This is our ministry. It was given to us as a ministry of reconciliation. It is stout. I mean, if the tablets were strong, the law was strong, look what Jesus did in the new covenant. That's our ministry of reconciliation. It is what has impacted us. And it is through that truth, that telling, that living, that we impact the world. And we don't pretend about that. We don't hide that. That's who we are. That's what we're about. He says, if it's veiled, in verse 3, but in fact, or I'm sorry, yeah, but in fact, if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now, who, who veiled it? Who covered it? He says in verse 4, Regarding them, the God of this age, little g-God. Hear that? Little g-God. Sometimes we think, well, God won't let them see. Now, there's some places where, getting into Romans, different teaching. But in this passage, essentially what he's saying is that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
We are not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus as Christ and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God who... Now, this is it, man. This is a punchline. Verse 6. You need to write a song about this, Robbie. um, You guys need to write a song. That's all I'm saying. Josh, y'all could collaborate. I see it. I see it right there. I see a collaboration. He says, For God who said, Light shine out of darkness has shown his light in our hearts to give the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. Ooh, that's, I mean, that's like a poem right there, that just one passage. But he's saying, God said, let his, he let his light shine out of darkness. Darkness, I'm not doing this dark thing anymore. I want there to be light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12, right? Whoever follows me won't have to walk in darkness, but could have light for life. Not only did he shine that light out of darkness, but in, into our hearts. As Brandon Heath has said, he put his light in me. He put his light in me. Check that out. And has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of God's glory, God the Father, big G God. The light of God's glory, God's thoughts and opinions of me and of his sons and daughters who may be estranged in the family. Put his light in me so that the knowledge of God's glory could be seen in the face of Jesus, which of which we are a... Reflection. A reflection. That's who we are as God followers. We're a reflection of God the Father in the face of Jesus. Strong stuff. We're, we're freedom fighters. We can, we can stick with that metaphor for today. God followers, those that live and tell. Somebody said, uh, someone gave, I've said this to you before, someone gave St. Francis uh, Assisi Credit for saying, uh, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. And you've heard me say, it's necessary. I don't think St. Francis Assisi said that. I think that's kind of a myth. But I wouldn't dare, to be honest. But do a little bit of research. It sounds like something someone said and then thought maybe give someone really seemingly important historical credit for it. Be that as it may. Live and tell. We could talk about it this way. We could say that it worked. the gospel works better at show and tell. We show, right? We live, and we talk. We tell. I often use this little axiom with you, but your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Right? It's true. Live and tell. That's who we are. God follows freedom fighters. So I want to give you three things this morning three commonalities, uh, three things that we could say about freedom fighters or real God followers, effective. We could even use this phraseology. We could say effective God followers are, okay, so I'm going to give you three things. They are the same three things I gave you last week. So if you weren't here, you're about to get them anyway. If you were here, you already have these written down. But I'm going to invert the order this morning. Kind of mix it up, keep it fresh. I want to share completely different thoughts about the same three things. So don't worry. You're going to hear something. Number one, last week we said God followers are free, uh, bothered by bondage, and God, God fi- uh, freedom fighters or God followers are fighters. Well, this week we'll start with what was last week the third, and we'll say this, that uh, effective God followers or freedom fighters are fighters. I want to go back to that this morning, church. Fighters. When we think about, again, as we mentioned last week, our forefathers and the way that they fought. 
when we think about those guys, Tulio mentioned a young man that was a part of the internship at one point that they went to visit yesterday who has served overseas. We still appreciate those men and women who fight for freedom. We pray for our government to make right decisions about how to apply military force. But here's what we said last week that we know and believe is true, that freedom is worth fighting for. Sorting out what that looks like sometimes is a bit more complicated, but I even quoted for you Desmond Tutu who said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that is certainly true in the spiritual context. It is necessary, though, that we realize that that freedom requires a fight. Freedom fighters are fighters. Paul said it this way to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12. He said this. He said, fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and have, in fact, made a good confession before many witnesses. He said, look, that goes back to you put your light in me there in, in 2 Corinthians. But he said, you yourself have confessed that you have believed by faith in the work of Christ for eternal life. Now fight that fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And in fact, Paul said that several times. I just pulled this one passage. He said that again in verse 18. But he said to Timothy, and I want to say that to us this morning... Fight the good fight of faith. It takes a willingness to fight for freedom and truth. I know that makes some of us uncomfortable. Man, we want you to know, man, the Father loves me, and so I'm just supposed to chillax to heaven. The Father loves you, and you're not supposed to chillax to heaven. How about that? How can you say that? You're making me very uncomfortable. I don't care. Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable. He loves us very much. The life of purpose, right? The way to freedom is to follow. You come follow me. This will be hard and amazing. And you'll have all the grace you need for it. You will not have the grace to sit on your duff and do nothing. And you will be more miserable in that effort. You will be more tired. To fight. To fight for your freedom and your faith and your family and your friends. What I'm saying is that the enemy is a real enemy. Right? We have a we have a legitimate adversary who is just looking for someone. He trying to eat our lunch, right? I mean this very day. He's in your business messing with you. As we said when we were talking about redemption story, he likes to monkey with the script. He's trying to rewrite the destiny that the Father has for you, and you've got to stand into that. You say, but Ron, what you don't understand, I know that that's true, but here's what you've got to hear. I am wounded, and I am tired. You ever have one of those scriptures? I, I, I remember mentioning to you where the Apostle Paul said, if God be for us, who can stand against us? I, I remember when that scripture became very important to me, very tangible to me. I was going through a really hard time, mostly because of some internal insecurities, but still nonetheless a difficult season. And I remember thinking, I read that passage and I was trying to embrace it. You ever do that? Like you're trying to talk yourself into it. I was like, if God be for us, who can stand against us? And I'm trying real hard to embrace that. And then I just finally got honest with God and I said, can I make a list? Who can be against us? Can I make a quick list right now? What can be against us? Start with the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. I'm causing me all kinds of grief. Then add to that. Who can be against us? 
course, ultimately you get around that again with grace and you go, wow. But even when they, me, us, it are against me, God stands for me and nothing can have success in that. Cannot defeat the truth or remove the embrace of grace from my life. That's a choice I have to make and I refuse to make it. I'm going to stand into this thing. There was, there's another scripture like that that applies in this moment because you may be saying, I'm saying to you, that freedom is worth fighting for and freedom fighters are fighters and you're just thinking, I'm tired, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, I feel like giving up. And listen, I would be remiss if I didn't say, not even only admit, but say with conviction that we, Jesus took those times with Papa. Thank you for the not so subtle a reminder because I had some coffee with the McDermott's this week and they said, you better get your uh, hilltop time, if I can paraphrase. All right? Listen, I am... I will also contend because a part of the fullness of the gospel is that we got to get with God. We don't fight on our own or in our own strength. But that one of those passages that can almost be offended or offending when you feel tired and wounded is Galatians 6, 9, which says, Do not grow weary in doing good. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm already weary. And or, here's what also we would say, I'm not doing good. How about if I grow weary in doing bad? <laughs> or badly, as it were. Come on. Might as well be straight. I'm going to tell you to fight. I'm, I'm not going to leave you out there with just some nice little challenging mantra. Because I understand that sometimes it's tough to fight. Here's what I'm saying, though. That that is the fight. The fight isn't somewhere out here where it's like, a cha a cha a cha but the fight is rather that temptation to believe, A, that you don't do good. That's the enemy's first lie. So things are going badly. I get that. Why else would we need to fight? I'm not advocating for war, but I'm just not pretending that there isn't one. I am saying... That because of the greatness of grace, you can do good. You can do grace. You can do grace even when things are going badly. You can do grace even when you're doing bad. It's a little grammatical, but it's correct grammar. You can. You can still do grace. You can believe in the greatness of God's grace and you can walk in a repentant uh, spirit and heart and you can be made free. You've got to fight for that though. But the reality is, here's the reality. You just fight to choose the fight that he has fought for you already. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying he actually does and did the work. What we have to do is fight against giving up. We have to fight against giving in. We have to fight the pattern of panic, right? Hmm? The spiral, we get in that place, we say, I'm wounded and tired, so lay down and kill me. No. And we don't have to do that. I want to talk you out of that choice. It's so destructive. And not necessary. And I know it's hard. And I know that grace is great. I can do all things. I, I can. Somebody say that right now, though. I can. 
I can do all things through Christ. I cannot do anything without Him. Those are both in the book. I can do all things through Christ, and I can do nothing without Him. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare, again, are not carnal. This is not about me being big and bad in my spirituality or being strong enough. It is as Karen pointed me to a song several weeks ago by Matthew West that just says strong enough. And it wasn't about me being strong enough. It was the song, the lyric is about him being strong enough. Huh? My God is so strong that I don't have to give up. Or as the writer wrote in Deuteronomy, Moses himself in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 30. And he was given the children of Israel as they wandered there in the wilderness a pretty heavy chastisement. He said, look, you were the guys that we got out here, God delivered us, and you were saying, we'd be better back in Egypt. We could just die there in peace of old age. Under the hand of Pharaoh, he brought us out here in the wilderness to die. But Moses pointed out in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 30, he said, he, hear what I'm saying, church, don't leave me. Moses said, he will fight for you. He'll fight for you. He's just asking you to step into a place of faith. What did he say to Timothy? Go fight without God. You'll do fine. I taught you how to be really beasty spiritually. You're a superhero. Not what he said. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Keep the faith. He said, Paul himself again said in, to Timothy in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I have what we said this last week, I have fought a good fight. See, look what this says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. What was, the, what was the coup de grace? What was the period at the end of the sentence? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Church, it's about believing that God is who God says He is and that the Father really does love you and that He has sent His Son for you. Ah, thank you. One of my favorite images of um, one of our more recent military... Uh, when, when we first went into Baghdad, um, what, now several years ago, the early part of the last decade, and, and we had gone, and they had gone into Baghdad, and there was this one particular image that was, I mean, a video that was shot, and there had been a bit of an ambush of a, a, a squad-sized element, and one of the guys had been shot, and the men had gone to get him. Nobody left behind. That's... That's a conversation for another day. We fight for our friends. We fight for our family. We ain't trying to leave anybody behind. The, the, his squad had gotten to him, and they had, they had kind of been able to fire back and push back that um, ambush element a bit. And they got him on a stretcher, but as they started to carry him away, and he had his M16, this is a real video. You could probably, I'm sure you can still find it. But he had his M16 laying on his chest. And as they were carrying him out, they started to get hit again. And so they, the two dudes that they're exposed and they got their hands on the handles. There came brother on a stretcher and he's taking care of business. He's on a stretcher, but he's lining some folks up. What is M16? I just put a little notice out to the devil. You just, you know, I ain't trying to egg on any sort of attack. I ain't speaking that. But I'm saying to you that God gave me the grace to be a fighter. To contend. For freedom, for my freedom, for the gospel, 
for my faith for friends and family. God's big enough for that. Number two is still number two. One thing about when you invert three points, a middle point is still a middle point. I won't take much time with this, but number two is this, that uh, freedom fighters are fighters. Freedom fighters are bothered by bondage. I mentioned this last week. Bothered by bondage. But I'm making this more personal this week. because, And I look at the life of Jesus, our big brother, and you can see, Allison, that he was clearly bothered by bondage. Like, it was not okay with him. I love... Uh, to think of the different occasions when Jesus went mano a mano, one-on-one with someone. Like in um, John chapter 5, when, when again, I think I reference this story approximately every three weeks, but he went to the sheep's gate, he went to the pool of Bethesda. When everyone assumed that he would be in the temple, I mean, I don't know, the disciples were, I don't know, maybe not so great at following or something sometimes, <laughs> sounds familiar, but... I mean, they were like, I guess they just assumed he was going to go to the temple because they went there and then he, he was at the pool of Bethesda having a conversation with a guy that had been ill for a very long time. And he asked, the, you know, Jesus often asks these rhetorical questions. He kind of looks at the man for a bit of his story and the guy starts to share kind of what was going down and what was going on. And he just asked the guy a bit of a rhetorical question and he says, um, do you want to be made whole? I mean, he came to save the world, but he took time for this one individual. Do you want to be made whole? Because we could take care of that right now. Or I think about the story in John chapter 4, when he again went out of his way to find that woman. I don't know, something about water, right? A man at a pool, a woman at a well. John chapter 4, he, he went to, we know, Jacob's well, and he encountered a woman there. And just the personal nature of this conversation, as he sat with her, and he just, he begins to ask her questions, and and they get into a bit of a religious discussion, which is not where he wanted for that to go. And so ultimately, though, he gets her to a place where he says, well, you should, you know, I can really break this down for you. You should go get your husband. I wonder what the look on his face was. I'm sure it was one of compassion, but you should go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband, I know, honestly. I know that that's true. You've had five husbands. He was bothered by bondage. And the guy you're living with now, it's not good for you. He could have just said, you know, you really are, you get this thing, you know, the living water, that's good. I just want to, I hope you have a good life. I got places to go. I'm on my way to die for everyone. I'm going to resurrect. Don't be messed up about it. He looked into her personal situation. He says, yeah, I know. The man you're with now is not even really your husband. Because he wanted her. He wants you. He wants me to be free. Listen, not only do we need to be bothered by bondage in others, we need to be bothered by bondage in us. We say a lot about freedom and we talk a good talk. But at the end of the day, right, I, I like the way that Jesus in his rhetorical questions, that, that's the history of God's word. He spoke that often to the prophets. In Haggai chapter 1, the children of Israel should have been rebuilding the Lord's temple, and instead they're collecting their money and making nice houses for themselves. And it really isn't working. I mean, their their whole system is just in a catastrophic failure if you check out the story of the children of Israel and Haggai. But he says, essentially, the word of the Lord comes to Haggai, and he says to them, he says, how long is too long? How long will you continue to let the Lord's house be in ruin while you try to take care of your own business? You're trying to make life good for you. Have you not noticed, he said, that you're putting your... It's like you're putting money in pockets with holes in them. Too much is not enough. Sound familiar? 
Shouldn't we be bothered by that? Essentially, in verse 7, check it out. Hey, God, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, If you take care of building my house, I'll take care of your house. Seek ye first the kingdom. All these other things. I wonder this. Have we gotten comfortable with our incarceration? I mean, you know, as long as we're doing pretty well, life's going pretty good. And it, it would appear at least on the outside, that we've got our spiritual house in order. On the inside, we're hurting really bad. Now, if we know that we're hurting, right, and we're walking into freedom, that's not specifically what I'm speaking about right here. I'm not trying to put any condemnation on anyone for that. I'm saying when that thing's been there for a very long time and we no longer are bothered by it, whatever that is. It could be just that we consistently dream the American dream or Western dream instead of the God dream. Or that, you know, we, we know that, man, I got this thing. Are you saying that there's not a process of growth that's necessary to have happen? Absolutely not. Let me get to point number three. Bothered by bondage. Point number one, freedom fighters are fighters. Effective God followers are fighters. Number two, we're bothered by bondage, even in our own lives. Just touching that point. Number three, though, which was, again, last week, number one. Freedom fighters are free. going to take another run at freedom church I want us to be free I want us to tell I want us to live the story of freedom I see what freedom looks like in the faces of God followers I know that look I see the impact and the effect of it and how that then when we begin to it doesn't mean we've gotten perfect it means we've found peace in the provision that is the cross of Christ and the resurrected or empty tomb free we can walk in that kind of freedom jesus again john 8 36 the one the son sets free is there's a reason he said this this way there you look at several different translations the one the son sets free is truly no 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 is really 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 indeed it's really free no seriously really free like free I like the Southwest Airlines. I'm very excited, by the way, that you're going to fly from Atlanta to Joburg. Let's toss that out there. I hope that's happening. Yes. Yeah, Kevin Jackson got a new route. He's going to my town. That's awesome. That's my route, man. I fly that Delta flight all the time. Southwest, though, has a really cool slogan. Got to give them that. They say, um, you're now free to move around the country. That's what Jesus said, too. He said it in Matthew 28, 18. He said, you can go now. You can go now. You can go be free. You don't have to go by yourself. I'm going before you. Matter of fact, I'll just hem you in all the way around. I'll cover the back and the front, both sides. But you go ahead and go. You can go now. Jesus says you can go. The devil says you should stay. You should actually give up. When Jesus says we can go then this question, why do we live like birds in a box? Why would we do that? Do we? I mean, rather, don't we? Aren't there so many things that hem us in, not God, that keep us from the thing that He has for us? I, this week, uh, Karen and I had, uh, had some dinner with John and Angie Miller, and we were just chatting, and 
I was just talking about this concept and how that it bothers me. And I shared this with Robbie actually the other day driving. We were, man, we were blowing up some Jesus stuff talking on the phone. And we should have just recorded that and played it back, man, because we got some preach on in there. But just talking about this concept of, of freedom in relationship to prison, literally physical prison. And, you know, they have a supermax here in Virginia. I think we actually may have two. But I know that there's the one down in Red Onion, uh, which is down near Big Stone Gap. And, um, I mean, it's a supermax facility. They literally, in a supermax, they have cells that are essentially, I mean, little chrome boxes and a, just a slide on the door. And, and these guys, I mean, they have a chrome toilet and a chrome bunk. The only thing soft in there is a thin mattress. Seriously. And these are lifers. I mean, these are no opportunity for parole guys. And they spend 24, 23 out of 24 hours in that solitary cell. And then one hour a day, they get out in a, in a pen where there can be some sunlight, but not with other inmates. That's some serious bondage, right? Here's my problem, though, is that I think sometimes what we've accepted then as freedom is, I'm no longer in, I'm no longer in supermax. I'm no longer in solitary. They let me out in the yard with all the other prisoners. Now, I will grant you that in contrast to Supermax, that might feel like freedom, but it is not freedom. Life in the yard with all the other inmates hardly qualifies as life on the outside. Freedom fighters, effective God followers, are truly free. Really. Free indeed. And some of you are saying, what does this have to do with witness, man? I mean, really? We really just should have called this some word about freedom. Well, I kind of did. Freedom, uh, sort of. I mean, it's in there. It's in the title. But what does it have to do with witness? Everything. You know, we were meant to live life from the contrast. One of the most effective uh, witnessing realities is the contrast. Just that exists in the lives of those that are free. When people look and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're standing in here, here we are in here, and that guy just walked right out of the door. I mean, like he acted as if he didn't have to stay in here and live according to these lies. Like he, look, everybody go over here and look. There he goes. Where is he going? He walked right out that door. It ain't that nice in here, y'all. Seriously. Huh. Look away. The contrast. Where's the contrast gone, church? I'm sick of hearing people say, now, don't put too much in what people say, unless I know it's so. What's different in the church? What's, what statistics, what realities are different in the church? Shouldn't they be different? Can they be different? Absolutely. Is that the motivation for being free? Sure, of course not. Both are true. 
I want to be free because God wants me to be free so that I can walk in the destiny that exists in me as a son of God. But as a son of God, I know, though, that there will be those who will see and say, oh, my goodness. But when it's all gray, no one can pull out truth. Man, I think that the differentiation should be vivid color. Oh, whom the sun sets free is really free. Indeed. Indeed. Robbie and the gang are going to come, and they're going to play us a song here in just a second. What kind of freedom differentiation am I talking about? Well... Let me just give you a few quick ones this morning and see how these sit with you. Free. Whether we're free or not. Free from free from worry, right? Jesus had plenty to say about that. Uh, I mean, literally what he said was don't worry. He said that. He said don't worry about Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. He gives us a picture and he says... Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or how you'll be clothed. Or in Philippians, of course, through the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about... Can you hear, the, hear what this says? I need somebody to pick up what I'm putting down. Look, I'm kind of losing you here. Stay with me. He said, don't worry about anything. Worry is weight. Pretty heavy weight. We're, we, we worry about money and job. And yet we know that Matthew 6, 8, Jesus said, your father knows everything you need and he's keen to give it to you <laughs> everything you need we worry about success and career come on y'all not if you agree we worry about those things what will it look like at the end of my life will it look like I did well by some earthly standard we're concerned about marriage and relationships Listen, that's true too. Listen, and those are a high priority to God. But hear this, that you can spend the rest of your life trying to be a good enough husband. But if you'll find your way into the life of a son, you'll be everything she needs you to be. You know what would rock your wife's world if you were secure in who you were? That would rock her world. Listen, wives. Look, look, little sister, I ain't trying to leave you out either. Some of you have been striving. You're trying to work your way into something that already belongs to you. You're a daughter of destiny. You were made to be free. Does that somehow release you of responsibility? No, in fact, it will release you into it in all the grace that's necessary to live out that destiny. Free. Indeed. Free from stuffitis, right? Gotta have stuff. Everybody's got to see my stuff. It's been funny for me this week. Go ahead, man. I like that bag noise. I, I, you know, but it's been funny for me because since we got back from Africa, I mean, basically Isaac and I went straight to um, went straight to Arkansas where he's been for several weeks. He's our, our oldest son, our 21-year-old. And maybe turn it down just a little. And Isaac took my Chevy Silverado Supersport. Which, I mean, at this point, really isn't that awesome anyway. I mean, it's a 2004, you know, it's pretty scratched up. But it's still my ride, you know. Kind of fits my personality. Well, what I've been driving, though, is uh, I pulled up this morning in Jacob's car. It's a 95 Mazda 626. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the paint never sticks to those. I don't know what that's about. And it ain't nothing but a bass machine. That's all it is. I got the bass on minus six, so I can play my 80s rock tunes. You know what I'm saying? 
My petrol just don't rock out right. <laughs> I'm like, come on, y'all. You know, I've had fun in that car. I've been throwing my arm out the window, and I just, I'm not messed up about it. Seriously. I'm, I'm being completely honest and sincere. I was like, this is cool. I'll pull right up in front. I don't care. Come on. Free. I just want to be free. From comparisons and image. Got to have my image. All the false conclusions we draw from that. All the bondages. Hebrews 6, 1, I mentioned it earlier, the Apostle Paul said, moving on from the elementary things. He said, Ron, I want to be free. I mean, I think I do. I say I do. But I just don't know how that, that can work and how that, that can look. Karen was, uh, Karen was, she's reading a really cool book by Dr. Tim Clinton. It's an amazing book. And in that book, there's a test. And it starts to just talk about some of your attachments that you might have outside of God. And, I'm, and she was asking me as we were driving, she was asking me, she said, so she's scoring herself. You're supposed to score yourself and it will help. It's kind of like a, a God freedom sort of a test. And so she was, it would like be, you know, well, you, you tend to do this, you tend to do that. And she, she was reading them to me and she was like, that's me. And I was like, no, it's not. It used to be. Fifteen years ago, that was you. It's not anymore. Five months ago, that one was you, but it's not anymore. Because we are made to grow. I'm just trying to get a witness right now. We are made to grow. And as we grow, we go. I'm not a superhero. I don't have to be. All right? What I am is I am forgiven. That's what I am. Kim, you might recall, I'm a fan of uh, Napoleonic history. Napoleon was interesting to me. You know, the, the French Revolution happened right after our own revolution, speaking of freedom. Napoleon's story is hectic, man. He, he came from a little island. He, how did he rise to be... I mean, this is an amazing story. The Emperor of France. But there's a story. Napoleon also he had spindly legs, so he learned to ride horses. That was important for him. He was going to be a commander. He's famous for his horsemanship. Apparently once, his horse got away from him, which is rather embarrassing. Right? For the head of the cavalry. Hey, where's my horse? They said that one of the men who was of the lowest rank, a private, had grabbed the rein of his horse and brought it back to him. And here's how Napoleon thanked the private for bringing back his horse. He said, thank you, Captain. Yeah, with one, rank, or with one word from the man in charge, that private was instantaneously promoted from the rank of private to captain. Here's why I don't strive. Here's why it's okay to be free. Because with one word, right, with one word, Jesus instantaneously promoted us from the ranks, hear me now, I'm going to stop talking right after this, from the ranks of condemned to the ranks of the redeemed. And that's how we live, outside the walls. So, Lord, thanks for today. 
Lord, and I know you're not done yet. So, Lord, even in this song, I pray you just minister and move. Lord, as, uh, yeah, as you want to uh, work in our hearts through this song that you gave as a part of this morning's word. Lord, this isn't just a follow-up. This is a f- the finish on what you've said and are saying. So work and speak through these guys right now in Jesus' name. I pray to a best. 
Vessel of honor, vessel of glory, vessel that will ever tell the story of your great love. Oh, your great love. One more time. I am yours, you are mine, and I'm the branch, you are the vine. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, make me, Lord God, this I pray to a vessel of honor, a vessel of glory vessel that will ever tell the story of your great love how oh, your great love uh, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 before you go so after Paul spoke of the ministry that they had reflecting the glory of the father in the face of the son he says this now we have this treasure in jars of clay maybe we should have just sang that song over and over because that was today's word so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. 
As freedom fighters, we know where our power comes from. Come on now. And I ain't just trying to like talk y'all into being someone you're not. I'm talking about walking in the power of the God of the gospel, right? He goes on to say, check this out though. This looks like freedom, okay? So we have this treasure in jars of clay. Then he says this. He says, we are perplexed in every way. Come on. We're perplexed in every way, but not crushed. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me back up. I skipped a part. He said, we are pressured in every way, but not crushed. Anybody feel pressured, but you don't. The freedom is you don't have to be crushed. Then he said this, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Check that out. What did he mean? What was he saying? He said, look, we don't understand it all. There's a whole lot about what's going on we do not get. We do not understand. It doesn't make sense. But because of the aforementioned great grace, we're still not in despair. Even though we don't understand, we're perplexed. We're struck down. That's exactly right. Sometimes we get hit and we get hit hard. Because it's like a war out there or something sometimes. But what can the devil do? Because we are not destroyed. In fact, he said, how can that be true? Here's the key. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Christ may also be revealed in us. What did he mean by that? We are crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives. I'm the, he is the potter. I am the clay. It certainly works better that way. Right? Touche. <laughs> Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be right here. We saw a couple of people come to Jesus last week in second service. If you're here this morning and you're not walking in a redemptive relationship with Jesus, I don't want to assume, assume too much. I feel like I know everyone in this first service this morning or, or there are some of you that I just met, but I perceive that you're God followers, but I don't want to miss that. So let me just say this, that if there's anyone here this morning, you're not walking with Jesus, please, please give me an opportunity this morning. Walk you through the truth of the gospel and the freedom that comes with it. Other than that, though, let me say this, that let's live that way. Some of us, man, listen, we need to fellowship of the family for freedom. I get that. We can walk this out together. If you, you've got some things this week, you're saying, you know what, I'm sick of this. Sometimes that's what it takes. we got to get sick of it. You're sick of it. You say, I want to walk out of this. Come see me. Come here. We'll, we'll pray together. We can connect you with folks who will help walk you uh, through uh, a process of transformation. Right? You don't have to go that alone. No one's saying to you this morning, go do better. I'm saying to you, come be free. Okay? Make sure you heard that right. So, Lord, even as we go, God, you... You be God in us. You be God to us this morning, Papa. Pray you just be real. And even as Jared said earlier, Lord, I pray this week you just make time stand still. God, that that the eternal and the eternal perspective was so overwhelm all the temporal things that normally uh, dictate, mandate, and dominate our lives, Lord, that we could see you clearly for who you are. And in that, we could see clearly who we are. We could be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being patient with, with me this morning. Uh, hug somebody. We don't hug enough. Meet someone you don't know. And uh, have a great week.